learn from one of the most interesting seven-figure Amazon sellers ever. He was a physics major in college, a self-proclaimed hippie, and even in a popular rock band, and then started his own business, and also learn all his tips and tricks on how to sell in Amazon Europe. How's it going, everybody? This is Bradley Sutton, and this is the Serious Sellers Podcast. And on this episode, I got my buddy Chris from Judo Launch here. Chris, we've known each other like off and on for a couple of years now. We actually were in the same mastermind. It used to be called Zon Squad back in the day. So now we've come full circle, and I'm here with Helium 10, and you've got Judo Launch. And I just love to get people to know a little bit more about you and, and your story about how you started as an Amazon seller and and now you're in the software space as well. And anyways, just welcome to the show. How's it going? Thanks, dude. Yeah, I know. It's great to circle back. I remember like being in those groups, especially when, when I was just first selling and wondering where these people would end up in a couple of years and where I would end up. And, and it's, it's so awesome to link, link back up with, you know, people like you and see where Paul Miller has gone yep. and, you know, <clears throat> and Joe with Six Leaf and, all of that. It's just, it's great to like follow people's journeys. And like I was telling you before we started recording, I'm a hippie at heart. Uh, it probably pisses people off, but I, I like hugs and I like community and I like, you know, supporting one another. That's just how I am. And, uh, and I just, I, I love keeping in contact and staying close to you guys. But yeah, it's been a wild ride. Um, yeah, like you said. Now, you used to be, or, or still are, or used to be a, a musician, weren't you? Mm hmm. Oh, what, what yeah, kind dude, of music? Seven years. I was playing bass uh, and singing. Wow. Uh, it's called the Waffle Stompers. And it's ska. It's ska music. Oh, okay. Um, it was really fun live. We had one viral YouTube video. <laughs> it was like the most random thing. But uh, it was us all playing one ukulele, all six of us. And it was kind of a, a parody of the somebody that I used to know viral video where everyone's playing one guitar but we did it with a ukulele <laughs> and uh, it's pretty hilarious. It got a couple million views and got passed around for a while. You need to make like parody videos, you know, using your musical expertise about Amazon and things like that. There, there, there's a, there's a good market oh right there. Maybe. Now that's, niche, that's a niche audience. Yeah, that for sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Talk about nerding out. Some ska songs about Jeff Bezos or about seller central. So I could totally like, you know, see some, it's not, oh, what's the, there used to be a band here in California that was into ska. It's not Blink-182, but another one. Oh my God, I can't think of their name. But anyways, like I'm just listening to like in my head, one of their songs, but I could totally see you doing parody about Amazon about it. We got, we got, we got to brainstorm after this call or something Let's like that. Let's do it, man. Let's do another brainstorm after this. Now we got to set our next meeting. Let's do it. Up. So, so like, let's go back a few years, you know, you're, you're doing ska music and then, you know, this is before Amazon before you started to decide to sell on Amazon. And then you kind of have an interesting story about how you just like kind of on a whim just was like, you know what? YOLO, you know, YOLO before there was a such thing as YOLO. So, so tell me about your YOLO experience about how you got started selling on Amazon. Yeah, no, it, it was still, in the, YOLO was already a thing. And uh, as my, as a singer of my band, Jeff likes to say, YOLO, best years of our lives. That was his version of YOLO. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. So how did that get started for you? How did you pivot from, from ska to Amazon? Yeah. So actually, I mean, I was playing ska, but I was also, 
uh, I was working as an electrical engineer in a solar company. Oh my goodness. And, uh, I just gotten a degree in physics. Oh, whoa, 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 hold on. So, so we got a hippie here who plays ska music and was an electrical engineer and was a physics major in college. Yeah, that's right. I love it. I love yeah. it. Keep going. Keep going. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, I'm an interesting character, Bradley. We're going to, we're going to unravel the, we're going to peel back. Whoa, the whoa, remember, I don't know how much you know about me, but I'm a, I'm a Zumba instructing, um, sumo, sumo wrestling <laughs> data nerd. So like, well, oh, you, the sumo wrestling, I didn't know. I knew the Zumba instructing. I looked up the YouTube videos. Yes. Yes. Like, I used to be, that, that was why I was such a popular Zumba instructor was because of my story about how I used to be a sumo wrestler and then went to dancing Zumba. So, so you have maybe a, almost, I would say that's pretty much on a level of physics, a physics person going to ska and then Amazon. So tell us a little bit more about that. I keep interrupting you, but this is so fun to me. You no, know, dude, we're kindred spirits. We gotta be, we gotta get together and be the weirdos exactly. uh, of the world. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so the story that you're alluding to is that, you know, I had gotten after coming out of a, a, my college to my college experience with a technical degree, I started working in electrical engineering and I, I wasn't a PE. I couldn't seal drawings myself, but I was doing electrical engineering work for, for commercial scale solar systems. And what I learned there after sitting at my computer and just doing whatever job was put on my desk was that, I, if I wanted to control my own destiny, I needed to learn business or as I like to call it, the physics of human organizations. And, uh, that's how my brain understood it <clears throat> is how do you, how do you take this complex system that this complex adaptive system that is a human organization and, uh, get it to do things, get it to solve problems, you know, get it to make impact, you know, get it to make money. Uh, and so I, I, I turned and directed my mind from, you know, trying to solve problems in physics to solving problems in human organizations and learning business. And so I started running a division. Luckily, my dad was the owner of the solar company I was working for. So nobody said no to me when I said, Hey, I'm running this division of the company now. Uh, even though my dad would have never been cool with that, you know, fresh out of college grad running, you know, this very important division that was handling the, you know, the sales of the I, this new IP. Um, but no one said no to me because I was the owner's son. So I kind of hacked that and learned the business school of hard knocks. But, you know, after doing that, I had no ownership in this business. I, I really wanted to connect. And this is a key. I think this is really what makes people placid and, and keeps people from really awakening their, their like motivation and their inner spirit, their inner tiger is that your results are not connected to your efforts. When you get out there in the world, the jungle of business, and there's a direct feedback loop to, from your efforts to your results in terms of the money you make, the size of your business, you know, the fulfillment that you have, the impact you have, everything else. You're not just a cog in a larger machine, you know, cranking the gear. You now are the machine. And there's a direct feedback loop between what you do each day and what you gain from doing that each day. And having that feedback loop is the best way to wake the f up I've, I've ever experienced before. It just 
suddenly enlivens the inner tiger and the spirit inside of you and makes you realize, oh, I'm in the jungle with the machete. Time to go find out where the food is, you know? And, uh, and I wanted that because I had been... I had gained confidence in my own abilities you know, through my experiments in business, going from a science person to a business person in my early 20s. And so you know, I decided to start a brand. And uh, I came up with a concept. I generated a logo myself. Now, were you still working for the solar company at this time? Or you had stopped and just fully immersed yourself into this new endeavor? No, I was. I was doing this in my, in my spare time for about a month. And I had, I had nowhere near actually gotten traction or even launched a product when I decided on a whim. During, a work, during the workday, I had Kayak open, kayak.com. And I, had, I was looking at a, a one-way ticket to New Zealand. I literally Googled most beautiful countries in the world. I was just feeling so stuck, like showing up to the same place every single day you know, of the week um, and such wanderlust. I Googled most beautiful places in the world and Colombia showed up, Norway, New Zealand. I chose New Zealand because that's where they filmed Lord of the Rings. And I knew that was beautiful. I had a one-way ticket up on my screen and I just clicked book now, like literally in that moment without any plans of where I would live or what I would do or how I would say bye to all my friends and all that stuff. Um, But once I had made that commitment, they completely set me on the journey of leaving my job, uh, selling all of my, selling all of my uh, possessions except for a kayak and a surfboard that I kept in my mom's garage, um, and leaving my house, the dome that I lived in with a couple of my friends in the woods, and moving to New Zealand and starting this new business. I had a little bit of savings. You lived in a dome in the woods. I did. I lived in a oh dome my in the goodness. woods. This keeps getting more and more interesting. I love it. Yeah, the Odesic Dome. I'll show you a picture after this. You can put it in the show notes. Nice. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, we grew our all, all our own food and stuff. And not all our food, but we had a garden where we grew a bunch of food. And yeah, we lived. So then you put in your two-week notice to your dad and just like, hey, I'm going to go yep. to New Zealand and find my path, to try and develop my brand. And let, let, let me guess, yep. not everybody was 100% supportive and was like, oh, this is the best decision ever. No, dude. And this is one of the biggest things that I have. And I still grapple with this, but this is like something that I like, I love, I would love the listeners to hear is that there's a balance between being grateful for what's in your life, which is extremely important, but then also knowing when it's time to change. And, and those are like two, those two things pull you in opposite directions, being grateful for the things you have makes you want to stay still. And the hunger for more and the, the thirst to make an impact or, or to control your own destiny or to take your life in your own hands um, or to experience more of the world or whatever it is, makes you want to step forward and to move. And the problem is when you take that, that choice to move in any direction, everybody that's in your existing ecosystem doesn't want you to do it. Your friends don't want you to do it. Your family doesn't want you to do it. Your best friend doesn't want you to do it. You're, and this might not be true across the board. I'm, I'm just saying this is a phenomenon that happens to a lot of people. Certainly happened to me. Um, your significant other would, will be against it. Hey, this isn't you. What are you doing? You're acting unlike yourself. Like, why are you, why are you suddenly acting like someone I don't know? Da, 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 da. 
it's, they'll be really convincing to stop you from making a change that you want to make in your life. But you have to listen to your own self and your spirit, not them. It's not their fault. They, they're not trying to hold you back, even though that is what they're doing. They just love you and you're part of their reality. And they don't want you to break up their reality by changing and being a different person. They are not comfortable with that different person. That's a stranger. They're comfortable with you. That's a nice, comfy, known spot that they like and they're comfortable and they're secure with you being you. Um, but if you really feel that you're not living up to your potential and your destiny, you have to change as a person. For me, part of that was actually changing my environment and going to a completely foreign country uh, that I never, that I don't know anybody in, and don't know anything about. Uh, but it might not be that for someone else. It might just be leaving their job or joining a group or starting a business or whatever it is. People, they're, they're going to, everything in your life, all the people, all the systems are going to try to hold you where you are. And it takes an enormous amount of energy to break out of that. And that's why I love that the listeners get to listen to conversations like this that you and I are having now to know that there are people out there that do it. That said, Hey, like I, I know this hurts your feelings that I'm leaving or that I'm doing this. I know that this might be hard to handle that I'm changing. Uh, but this is my path. And you know, I'm not here to be a mirror for you to reflect yourself into. I'm here to live my destiny and to take my own path and to make my own choices and to, to build my life the way I want it. Uh, because you only live like 80 years and then you're dead for the rest of the life of the universe, which is going to be a couple tens of trillions, possibly hundreds of trillions of years. Um, you're going to be dead most of that time. You have a very tiny slice of the life of the universe where your life exists. And that's a very precious time for you to spend. And it shouldn't be spent reflecting other people the way they want to be reflected. It should be spent reflecting yourself the way you want to be reflected. Yeah. So, so, so in a nutshell, people need to, you know, do a little self analysis and see what step do they need to do to take, to take that next step and, and kind of get out of the mold that maybe that they've been molded into doing something or being this person that, that they don't really feel as them. Now, Chris is not saying here, if you're married with two kids, go, go and leave them and go to New Zealand or something. I mean, obviously he had the circumstance where, you know, he was single, you know, living at home and living in a dome. So for him that worked, but it, it might be something else for somebody else. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. it's not always that drastic, but the point is like, you gotta be who you want you to be, not who everyone else wants you to be. And it's really easy. It's so sneaky because it sneaks in. I have to catch myself all the time being like, Hey, why am I acting like this? Why am I acting like this? Uh, you know, I'm at a conference right now and I'm walking around to the different booths. I'm at toy fair, um, walking to the different booths, like drumming up business and partnerships and things of that nature. And sometimes somebody's like frame their, their mental map of the world or of how relationships work or whatever, uh, is different than mine. And it might be so strong that it makes me act a different way. I might feel like, Oh, everyone's wearing ties. Every, everyone's very like official here. I, I shouldn't curse. I shouldn't say, um, I should be, you know, I should present myself, you know, the way more officially and, you know, uh, less offensively because I'm from New Jersey. I curse a lot. And then I'm like, wait, what am I doing? F it. I'm myself. 
I didn't start a business to wear a tie and act like these stiffs. Mm-hmm. I started a business so I could continue being myself and express myself in the ultimate way, 100% all the time. And I have to, I have to catch myself because subconsciously I will. I'll start conforming to other people's worldviews and their own realities. And I have to constantly remind myself, wait a second, what the f- is this? Yeah. I got to be me. You know, I have to live my truth, my destiny. It's not up to them to dictate how I act, you know? So in any case, we went off the rails here, Bradley, but you know what? I'm glad we did. Let's bring it back. I mean, this is all very valuable, but then it's kind of useless unless there's an ending to the story. So there is one because you did that change and, and it actually worked out. So, so tell us how did it work out and how did that help jumpstart the next stage of your life? As far as Amazon goes, that moved to New Zealand, I'm talking about. It did. Well, all right. So I'll say, I think that opportunities are getting more and more frequent, not less and less as, 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 uh, scary as it might sound when people talk about the Amazon marketplace consolidating and competition getting too crazy and stuff like that. That's all BS. E-commerce is still 10% of retail. That's going to 90%. We're still in day one. So for me, I was in a unique time though, because it was the early it was fairly early in in the evolution of the Amazon ecosystem. This was the beginning of 2015, so four years ago. Um, so still kind of the Wild West. You could still pay for reviews. Um, you could still get like a thousand sales in one day and rank a product to number one, and it would stay there. Uh, it was it was it was definitely a different universe, and all of that's still possible today. It's just different strategies are. Are needed. But in any case, we did quite well. So I designed these products. Um, I was lucky that I had some design experience with AutoCAD. And I designed some products for spinal health. Uh, being in a rock and roll band for 7 years and playing over a 1,000 live shows, I had jacked up my back pretty good. I had a herniated L5S1. So I knew about spinal health products. Um, I had all these bed wedges and cushions and posture supports and stuff like that. And I created a brand that sold spinal health products and I designed them. I found a producer on Alibaba. I vetted about 30, got samples from about 15, started conversations with four, whittled it down to two, and then finally did business with one. And they really, all that work was paid off because four years later, I'm still using them. They're still the top uh, quality and best price, best communication uh, supplier in the space. And so I'm glad I did my due diligence there. Um, and worked with their engineering team to get my designs produced. Um, the first, the first product that I produced, it wasn't really a unique design. It was just like a, a very small change that made us slightly unique. And then the subsequent products were actually my design soup to nuts. And we did quite well. You know, we grew into a seven-figure brand. And um, I launched in a number of different countries. I launched in Germany, the UK, France, Italy, Spain, Japan. Uh, and turn this into, you know, at least for me at the time was an international empire and, and I was making a good living off of it too. And I was able to travel anywhere in the world I wanted. I lived in Manila, uh, in the Philippines, uh, in Manila, in, uh, Cebu and then in Bali. Uh, and I was in, in and out of China constantly. I canoed the fjords of Norway with my little brother, uh, went to Greece and I mean, had just kind of a 
a wild ride. Uh, but then eventually I kind of found out, you know, yeah, this is going to hurt people to hear, <laughs> but I definitely got a little bit restless even in that scenario uh, because I found out, thank God, one of my biggest fears was loneliness that I would leave and I would be lonely because I wouldn't have a community or a family or network of friends um, to tap into. But I found that there's a network of digital nomads around the world that really share a very similar culture and, uh, and work and a similar set of values and work a similar way that you can kind of tap into anywhere you go just by joining the local co-working space. And, uh, and for me, I was staying in hostels where like everyone eats together at a big giant dinner table and meets one another and, and stuff like that. So it was really actually much easier than I thought to tap into loving, supportive, you know, ambitious communities while traveling. You are such um, a hippie. I swear. Oh my God. You need to change your name to, to sun, sun child or something like this. <laughs> yeah. No, no. Because even after, no, and it's funny because it's, I'm kind of a walking paradox because yeah, I am a hippie, but I'm also like cutthroat in business at the same time. Love it. So, but I do believe in community. <clears throat> and, uh, but anyway, what happened was I loved running the brand. Uh, it was fantastic, but it didn't move at my speed. And I'm not saying that, I mean, this is a great business opportunity for, for people, especially a certain type of person. But I really wanted to get into software and services that were more quickly iteratable. You know, I was sending back and forth prototypes with the factory, and it could take weeks or even months to get new products designed. And then, of course, there's the logistics, um, the production time, and then the time on the sea. It's like the timeline was too slow for me. So I wanted to get into software and that's how Judo Launch got created. Uh, and I moved to Silicon Valley. And then yeah, I was reminded of this because you said I'm such a hippie. I actually lived in what the outside world would call a hippie commune. But what we just called <laughs> cooperative, cooperative living. Oh my goodness. And uh, we all chipped in uh, for a food plan. So we, we all shared food expenses. We would all just pay a set dollar amount a month and and somebody would buy food for the whole house uh, that everyone ate. So it turned it into like a real communal situation where like the kitchen is the heart of the house. You go in and there's just bountiful, fresh fruit, fresh vegetables, fresh fish and meats like all over the place. You, you wouldn't go like a week without bathing or anything like the stereotype is though, right? <laughs> uh, no. Well, oh, I, I, I hear some pauses in here. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, dude. Wow. I, I see what direction you're trying to take. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. So but just going backwards. So you talked about yeah. Europe and I know that's like one of your specialties, you know, not just with judo launch, but you, you talked about you yep. launched in all those countries. Now give me maybe, um, you know, a lot of American sellers or even people who are from other countries, but they're primarily selling in USA. Hey, that makes sense. USA is the number one Amazon marketplace. But for all of those who have not tried to branch out, just let's say that there is a market for this thing. You know, not everything that sells in USA is going to sell in another country because maybe it's just completely not applicable. But let's say it's something that has kind of universal appeal. If somebody is selling like, I don't know, 100 grand worth of product in the USA, what kind mm -hmm. of 
sales could they expect if they went and expanded to the five European marketplaces? Are, I mean, are we talking like, you know, if we sell a hundred grand in US, maybe they'll sell five, five grand between the five marketplaces, or maybe they'll sell 20 grand or what's, is there a rule of thumb baseline that you would say? It does depend on the space, but you can reasonably expect that you could at, at this point in the evolution of the ecosystem that you could add another hundred grand. Wow. I had no idea between the, between the, the five European marketplaces, between all of them. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Between all, if you put them all together, but it's, but mostly in Europe, it's, it's really mostly about Germany and the UK, Okay, France and Italy, and Spain, like together, don't make the next biggest one, which is the UK. So, um, I mean, that's still, there's still great marketplaces and, and you could ship to 26 countries in, in Europe. But, um, but yeah, I mean, that's the moral of the story is you can make up to the same amount. And that's what happened with my brand. Uh, we, we matched our, our us sales and then eventually exceeded them, uh, especially with the help of Germany. And the reason is this in the U S there is such a high amount of competition, especially in certain categories like cosmetics and supplements that you end up just eating each other's lunches. I mean, there's an insane amount of price cutting. Over half of the sellers are now Chinese on the Amazon.com marketplace. And you, you end up with this situation where your margins you know, get squeezed super tight. You end up having to do promotions constantly. Your paid advertising has to be real tightly managed. Um, because of the high degree of competition. And I mean, the market is still growing exponentially. So there's still more and more opportunity as well. But um, all I'm saying is there's, there's a lot of sophisticated strategies happening in the US because it's by far the biggest market. Like the US last year, Amazon did around 250 billion in marketplace revenue in the States. The next biggest marketplace is Germany, which did around 25 billion estimated. Um, and so, yeah, so it's, it's smaller, but you get to be a big fish in that smaller pond. And you also, if you're used to these aggressive launch strategies that you do in the States, you come in there and they're not used to it. I mean, I can tell you, you really clean up, uh, in Germany and, and UK and even Japan, but Japan, you get a lot more, uh, Chinese sellers, just a warning there. Uh, but yeah, you can really clean up. And the thing is, most, especially with Germany, which is the second biggest marketplace in the world, most sellers are afraid of it because of the language barrier. But if you get over that and realize there are resources out there that are completely commoditized to get over that completely, Judo Launch being one of them, uh, you can, like, you really you get over that perceived barrier and realize, oh, that wasn't that hard at all. That was like two days worth of my time, and now I'm completely set. Uh, and and you can then, for a product that you never could have imagined getting the bestseller badge for in, the, in Amazon.com, you can get within a couple of weeks in Germany because they're not used to your aggressive style of, uh, of launching and promoting and so on. And so a lot of the ways in order to get on page one for European marketplaces is very similar as far as USA goes, right? As far as you know, the algorithm working the same, hey, it's about PPC, it's about maybe doing a uh, a blast or, or using two-step uh -huh. URLs. Basically what works in the USA is similar to what works in Europe, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the beauty of it. I mean, th they do do tests of algorithmic changes in foreign marketplaces first before bringing them to the U S we've seen that a lot. 
um, because it's lower risk for them and they can see how the ecosystem responds to it. So sometimes you see some wonky things, but in general, it is pretty much the same. And that's the beauty of it. Um, if you're expanding, so 101 Commerce, um, which is a, a company that's buying up a bunch of Amazon brands and bundling them together. The owner, Richard, wants to sell the whole portfolio you know, to a PE company or take a public or something. I don't know what he's going to do, but bundling a bunch of these companies together to increase the multiple and the valuation and then sell the whole set. So he, he gobbled up his first couple of businesses and made his first portfolio. And the first thing he did, uh, and I haven't heard this firsthand from Richard, but uh, from uh, a, fr- a mutual friend of ours, Kevin, uh, was take the brands international. And that was the first thing he did to grow the revenue because it's the easiest. You're not developing new products. You're not learning a new channel, like how to get into Walmart or how to do Shopify or whatever. You're still on Amazon. It's the same game for the algorithm, same fulfillment, same everything. You're literally just choosing a different marketplace and it's all the same. It's like the, the easiest way to expand a brand is to expand to new Amazon geographic uh, markets. So that's how Judo Launch ended up having this kind of niche of helping brands expand and helping them do foreign listing optimization and foreign launches and all that is because people were coming to me for that when I was running my brand. When we were in these uh, masterminds you were just talking about earlier, you know, people were like, Oh, I heard about your success in Germany. Can you help me out? Uh, and so you know, we ended up helping hundreds of brands you know, expand to Europe. And I, I still believe in it wholeheartedly. It's, it really is the most straightforward way to expand horizontally. All right. So we're almost out of time here, but I just want to kind of maybe do some rapid fire, quick question and answer about some of the most common questions about Europe. So number one, do you have to like be incorporated or have a Europe based business to start? No, you don't. You can use your same entity. The only thing is if you are incorporated, then up to the VAT threshold, you don't have to pay that. Versus if you're a foreign entity, you have to pay that as long as you have inventory stored in the country immediately. Okay. And then th- speaking of VAT, that's the, the, the second question I think I always get is, is it okay if you only have a UK VAT or do you now have to have a VAT wherever you do business in? No, you can have just a UK VAT if that's the only place you store inventory. Okay. And you can ship to all the countries from there. Uh, as, as long as that's the only place you're storing inventory and shipping product to, then you can just have that one EORI number. It's called an EORI number. That's, and that's, that's how you identify yourself from a tax perspective in, in Europe. All right. Do you have to have a European-based bank to accept to get money from Amazon? No, you don't. They'll convert the uh, currency for you. But if you use a partner like Payoneer or um, uh, what is it, World First, they will give you a better currency conversion rate. So you just hook them in and, and they'll, they'll increase your conversion rate by about like 1% to 2%. So you can save a couple hundred or a couple thousand bucks a month by doing that. All right. And the last question, the pan-European fulfillment or just the regular fulfillment, do you suggest? It depends. If you do pan-European, there are certain countries that'll really ding you for having uh, inventory stored in their country. Um, Other countries will not enforce that, uh, but some will force you to to start paying that uh, in that country if if you do. So uh, it's, it's up to you. Um, I would recommend if you're just starting out, just, uh, just just not doing the pan-European fulfillment just to start and to test the waters and then see if there's a market that's like really digging your products or you find, hey, I'm really a hit in Italy. Um, then you can, you can uh, 
change that and and make a bigger commitment there. All right. Well, Chris, this was great. Obviously, that's just scratching the surface of, you know, the kind of questions that some people have about about selling in Europe, launching in Europe, all of which you're you guys are experts on. So if people want to contact you, find out, ask more questions, perhaps, you know, get your help on some of their launches in Europe. How can they reach you? How can they find you guys? Yeah. So they can uh, go to judolaunch.com or they can email hello at judolaunch.com. And that's, that's uh, the best way. All right. And then if they sign up with Judo Launch, will you personally serenade them with a ska song? <laughs> um, if they request it, I will. If, they, if somebody signs up and requests that, I'm going to commit right now on this podcast live that I will personally serenade them. I won't have my bass with me, but I will sing. Boom. There I you guys sing. go. There you guys go. We don't have a, a special, you know, affiliate link or anything with Judo Launch, but here's your, here's your bonus. Bonus number one of signing up with Judo Launch and mentioning, and mentioning Helium 10 is you get a personal ska serenading by the dome living community non-showering. Oh no, we, we didn't confirm that part, but, uh, from Chris itself, guys. So anyways, Chris, thank you so much. This has been a very fun episode and you brought a lot of knowledge about, you know, anywhere from just, I love the part about your, your personal development, you know, regardless of where you're going to sell, sometimes people need to make that leap and that big life change in order to get where they want to go. And, and you did that and you showed that it works. And so I really appreciate the information you went over today and We'll hopefully have you again on this show in the future. Absolutely, man. It's been really fun doing this with you. We've done this a couple of times now. Hopefully we'll do it again soon and we can do a completely different topic then or uh, go down a different rabbit hole that time. Absolutely. All right. Thanks a lot, Chris. We'll see you later.